What's good everyone, Matt here from UK Nets Fans and I'm joined by Aidan McConaughey and Cammy Anderson for another episode of BK to UK, the British Brooklyn Nets podcast. On today's episode we'll be discussing all the action from the past week, another new net in Iman Shumper, the rumours surrounding other possible roster moves, Joe Harris's streak ending and much, much more. Make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at UK Nets Fans, the pod itself on Twitter at BK to UK pod, and subscribe to us on YouTube by searching UK Nets Fans, where you can watch all of our episodes. With that out of the way, let's get into it. Gentlemen, uh, on to this week, we, and there's a new net in the house. Well, we've re-signed uh, an old net from last year. Um, Iman Shumper will be donning the black and white again this season. What do you guys uh, think of the new signing? Yeah, I'm happy we made this type of move instead of obviously guaranteeing one of the two ways. I think with the, the clock getting on yesterday, we were all a wee bit nervous that they, that they potentially might have just done that uh, because they couldn't get someone in. Um, but yeah, someone like Shump, we, we obviously know him quite well from his time with the Nets last year. Uh, we only saw him for 13 games, but we know that he plays hard, comes in good on defence, and obviously that's something that we need at the moment. Uh, when obviously when he came in last year we were in a, a bit of a rut and then we ended up going nine and four uh, with his time of the team and then he obviously only ended up leaving because Wilson Chandler came back in after his time out which is he probably would have hung around I reckon if, if uh, Chandler wasn't coming back in um, but yeah I mean he was a popular guy when he was with the Nets and he enjoyed his time with the Nets I remember that after he uh, he was released I think he actually quoted Shams's tweet when he was waived and he said, the Brooklyn Nets are a first-class organisation from top to bottom. It's great to be with you guys, even for a short stay. I'm around. And obviously, he is around because he's back again. Um, yeah, it, I, Nets Daily pointed out on Twitter last night that with the addition of Shumpert, that the Nets now have five players have been to the finals, I think, 12 times. And obviously, that type of experience is hugely beneficial for us. As we know, it's a whole different ball game when you come at the playoffs. And obviously, veteran presence is completely underrated. So, yeah, delighted with this move. Yeah, yeah, likewise. I mean, as as Aiden pointed out, he, he brings defence, which is something we've we've needed all season. And whilst his maybe his offensive output isn't up to much, I mean, when he was with us for that kind of brief stint between November and December in 2019, which I mean, saying that that was only the last season, but it just seems mental. Like it seems so much longer ago than that. And although he hasn't played for anyone since since he, he was waived by us. I think there can certainly be some reservations about that. Obviously, what's he kind of been up to for the past year? Has he been keeping in shape and stuff like that? But certainly based on the last time, yeah, it's, a, it's certainly a good pick-up. He, he's previously won a championship. He'd, he'd done so with Kyrie at the Cavs. So he knows what it takes. And as Aidan says, kind of these veteran presences are underrated. And given that he has been out a year, I think anything he does come in and give it is a bonus. I, I'd kind of seen someone put it that way when we were signing Pell, who'd been out for a while and, just kind of, kind of for any free agency, and I think that was quite a nice way to look at it, rather than have these lofty expectations and expect him to put up certain numbers, just let him come in, do his thing, If he and if he does better than you'd kind of initially expect, well, fantastic. If not, it, he's cost enough, and then, yeah, it's, it's not the end of the world. So, yeah, I think he's not going to be a first option, but he's certainly an experienced player that we'll be able to call upon, and maybe someone similar to Bruce Brown, who's obviously got that defensive kind of ability the players who can come in late in games when we really need to defend the lead. So yeah, happy with this one. Yeah, absolutely agree. Like, I think his his role is going to be a lot more defined than it was with his last little stint with us. Um, a, a wicked comparison you just did with Bruce Brown. It's just like we don't need you to score any points. Um, you know, when you're on the floor, just concentrate on your defense, um, which is something obviously he's very good at. Obviously, the the, the box score doesn't really jump out. Um, in the 13 games he played for the Nets um, back in the, back in his last stretch, were all off the bench, um, and he recorded 4.2 points, 2.6 rebounds, just on one steal, just under one assist, and only 0.2 blocks. So you know, if you were just looking at the box score, you're like, okay, he doesn't really lock people down on, on the defensive end, but he obviously he's got that energy, he's got that length, and the, the championship experience, like you say, um, is invaluable. Uh, I think he's got just going to be a nice steadying influence to this um, second unit that I think we've had our problems with and we've kind of said on previous episodes of, 
of the podcast that it's become a becoming a bit of a problem. So I think to to give KD a bit of a breather uh, and to maybe give Jeff Green a bit of a breather, um, it's a really, really good move. Although we could see some maybe um, Iman Shumpert, Jeff Green, four or five combinations. Um, yeah, I think if, if the Nets had signed another guard, I think I would have lost my rag a bit. So this is with between him and, and Pell, um, I think is a really, really um, positive sign. Uh, we actually got a listener question, which we'll come on to a little bit later on from Sam Hayward on Twitter, um, asking about these signings. But um, yeah, so we'll save our chat for them. But uh, I think, yeah, well, welcome back, Shump. Um, obviously, the Nets locker room and the Nets uh, Instagram is about to get a little bit more uh, fashionable because he, he does love a little fit to pop, drop off when uh, when he comes to the games. But, um, but yeah, happy, happy Shump's back. Um, low risk, possibly high reward. Um, so yeah, a really good bit, bit of business for me. Um, obviously, before Shumpert did get announced uh, yesterday at time of recording, Nets Twitter was absolutely buzzing with rumours about JaVale McGee um, and even Kevin Love and Andre Drummond. Uh, what did you guys think of those rumours? Uh, were they likely to happen? Who would you have most wanted to join the Nets out of the guys that have been spoken about? I mean, last week we kind of touched on the JaVale McGee links and then in the kind of days since that podcast, as you say, Kevin Love and Andre Drummond were, were all linked to us so all at the Cavs who I think we certainly are maybe owe a wee favour from giving them Jarrett Allen. Um, but I mean, I think a lot of them, with the exception of McGee, I couldn't really see Drummond or Love actually happening. I think there was a lot, like they had to be bought out for starters and then there was no guarantee that they'd just accept kind of pennies to join us because we're not exactly in a position to offer them similar wages and yeah I mean I, I think it's a really tough one I think there were ways for it to have been done and to have signed either Drummond or, or Love would have been absolutely fantastic I mean I, I don't know if we could still maybe sign McGee because I, I don't think it would take much I think as, as Aidan pointed out last week a second round pick should probably should probably do that one if, if we were really desperate but yeah I mean I, I don't think that they were too realistic I think it was just a lot of oh the Nets need a kind of big man like let's Let's just kind of throw a few names out there and obviously all the buyout talks with Drummond and Love and stuff. I think it was just folk putting two and two together really more than there being any any kind of legs to it. But yeah, if something happens, it's fantastic because I think if we sign Drummond to be my preferred option of the three, I mean, if we weren't already the kind of favourites to, to come out of the East based on the three stars where they do have, that would catapult us into a completely different dimension. And to have four stars like that would be would be pretty insane. Yeah, I mean, if I'm being honest, originally I only really uh, was taking the JaVale McGee rumour seriously purely because I felt like it made the most sense uh, for everyone involved. He obviously wasn't getting a game for the Cavs at the time where the rumour started. Um, he was kind of third in that ro rotation there in terms of centres and he wasn't seeing any minutes. But I've kind of went off that slightly because they've started playing him a bit, which I find interesting. And I'll obviously go on to what the kind of with Drummond... I actually think that might be a factor in the fact that he may be looking to be bought out. Uh, in terms of the Kevin Love rumours, uh, I honestly couldn't see that happening. Even when it got announced, I can't remember who tweeted it. It was one of the Cavs beat reporters or SB Nation writers that, that basically said uh, the Nets are interested in Kevin Love. And I think within a couple of hours, he ended up tweeting saying the Cavs aren't interested in buying out Kevin Love at all. So that kind of put an end to that one. Now for the, rumor, uh, the Drummond rumour, sorry, I think that's completely different. I would actually go out and say that there's a good chance that this one actually happens uh, for similar reasons that I said that the Harden deal would eventually happen. I didn't know when it was going to happen, but I felt like it was going to happen eventually. Uh, the reason being is that reliable reporters are actually writing about this. Zach Harper, Kevin O'Connor, these are guys that obviously get the information straight from the horse's mouth. And if they're writing about it, they're not speculating the report and they, they've heard things and that which makes me think that this could eventually happen. I don't know when, but potentially when it comes to buyout season, that Drummond could be a net. Uh, obviously, in terms of Drummond, he would be my preferred guy purely because he solves a lot of the defensive and rebounding issues that the Nets have had for quite a while. It'd be great to see him on the Nets. And obviously, he'll be if he's going to get bought out, he's going to want to get a ring. And personally, his best chance in doing that is obviously starting for the Nets. And obviously for the Cavs, they want Jarrett Allen to be their centre of the future. And Drummond gets in the way of that. So if he wants to win a ring and the Cavs want Jarrett Allen to be their starting centre, it makes sense to, to buy him out. 
yeah, I think you guys have, have put it beautifully. I think Andre Drummond would be my my preference as well. Um, you know, we lost the walk-in double-double in Jarrett Allen. Uh, and, you know, Andre Drummond is is just a hench version of Jarrett Allen in that respect. Like, he's, he's ridiculously strong. Um, he's ridiculously good at, at crashing the boards and getting rebounds. Um, obviously, does his work on the offensive end as well, which we don't really need so much. But um, I think we're a team that could convince people to to really kind of fit a role, fit a mold and like, look, we don't need you on the offensive end as much. So, you know, save your energy and just, you know, put yourself in defensive player of the year talk potentially. Um, I know he's, his current contract for this year is 28.7 million. So I don't, you know, you'd have to, you'd have to buy out a hell of a lot of money to, to come on to, to join this team. But, um, you know, there's plenty of, plenty of examples of other players you know leaving money on the table and and stuff like that to to win it all um uh, but so you know that that could be a thing so yeah i i don't know if it if it does happen i would love it to happen um but yeah you make you make a very very strong point uh, a strong case for that aiden of, of it of it happening um once it does come but i suppose time will tell um, I think we've still got one open roster spot, I believe. So yeah, we're, the the roster stands at fourteen. Um, so who knows? We've got I think um, trade deadline is March, so you know it could be another another four or five pods uh, before our roster is actually settled for the end of this season. So I'm sure this this will keep rumbling on. Um, so on to slightly more serious uh, talking points, really. Um, on Tuesday, the Pacers announced that their new sign-in, obviously former, former Nets fan favourite, Carolus Levert, underwent successful surgery to treat renal cell carcinoma of his left kidney. No further treatment is needed, and Carolus is expected to make a full recovery and will be out indefinitely. So I tweeted at the time, I, you know, I got, you know, sort of put my hands up and said I had to Google it. Uh, but renal cell carcinoma is the most common type of kidney cancer. Uh, although it's a serious disease, finding it and treating it early makes it more likely uh, that you'll be cured. Um, I guess there's not a lot to say, really. Uh, I'm sure I speak for all three of us when I say that um, we wish Karis a speedy recovery. Uh, what did you guys think when you saw the news? Uh, first of all, Absolutely great news that Karis doesn't require any further treatment at this time, obviously after they removed the cancer from his kidney. Um, but it's absolutely heartbreaking that the, the mass was cancerous at such an unusual age uh, for the disease. And obviously, individually as an athlete, you just don't expect things like that to happen to such healthy guys. And it just shows you it can happen to absolutely everyone. Um, but I take my hat off to the Pacers medical staff for discovering that. Um, and yeah, I think so many people have said on Twitter that there's a good chance that this has actually saved Karras' life, which is incredible. Um, I mean, he may not be in Brooklyn anymore, but yeah, just to obviously mimic what you just said, Matt, we're all, we all love Karras and he'll be a, a net for, for life in our eyes. And uh, I hope he stays healthy and I can't wait to see him back in the court. Yeah, I mean, going to echo the pair of your thoughts. Fantastic news. You couldn't really have asked for anything better than the kind of news that we got in the past few days about the the situation. Obviously, we were concerned when we initially heard the news. And as Aidan rightly says, this has ultimately saved his life. So whilst we've, we've lost him as a net, I, I mean, I think you'd rather know that we, that trade has saved his life than keep him and obviously something maybe more sinister happens. So thankfully, that's not that's not the case. And yeah, hopefully he's back on the court soon. We can see him back in Brooklyn. He can rightly get applauded for all he's done during his time with the franchise. Nice. Yeah, I think. Yeah, just, yeah. It's one of them. It's just like, there's, you can't say it enough. I think that, you know, just wishing him all the best. And I think you, you could be accused of being dramatic when you say that the, this trade potentially has saved his life, but it's real and it's a fact. So, so yeah, all the best, all the best to Karis. Um, moving on to something slightly more lighthearted. It's, it's weird to kind of transition from some stuff like that to, to slightly more lighthearted things, but um, the game against Atlanta saw the end of, the streak it's a dark day to be a Nets fan it was 79 games with Joe Harris making a three-pointer um I think I, I dropped in the Nets uh, fans discord chat that you know it did coincide with all with a bunch of us buying a t-shirt that said Joey Buckets uh <laughs> fist pump appreciation club so I think we might have jinxed it but um what do you guys think of Joey snapping the streak 
I mean, yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. We, we all bought those T-shirts. I also made that graphic that if you've not already seen T-shirt on UK Nets fans store, so check that out. Um, but yeah, we, we were singing his praises and, and then that happened. And yeah, I mean, obviously the game went to overtime and I think the, the kind of thoughts on Nets Twitter was just give Joe the ball. Don't, don't care what the result is. Just make sure the streak continues. And obviously it was a really poor night for Joe. I think he finished with six points. He was zero for zero for three from three and... Yeah, obviously, games like that happen, and there's been games in the past where it's going to be in close, and he'll come up and he'll get it, and it's like, oh, thank God. But yeah, it's over. But to be a bit more positive, the new the new streak has begun. So yeah, here's to here's to breaking that record, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I can't lie. I was I was fully invested in this streak. I mean, I was constantly looking out in games for Joe getting that first three, and it's just kind of like a streak continues but yeah I was gutted when he filled out uh, in the game because I just assumed that he was eventually going to get one even into overtime um, but yeah the good news is that Joe wasn't the undertaker at Wrestlemania and he's still young and there's plenty of time to start a new streak and I'm sure he'll probably end up beating that one pretty soon probably his next one um, but yeah in terms of Joe's game obviously Joe's development over the last few years he's, he's improved on so many other aspects of his game getting to the rim putting in a solid effort defensively he doesn't have to rely on the three which obviously means he's still an impact on the court even when he's not making those shots he's, he's going to make those shots but he's still an impact um, but yeah I mean he's an elite shooter in the league and he's going to get scoring freeze again he already did the night the next night I think yeah yeah, I think that's a great point. I think that's that's the difference between someone like Joe Harris and someone like Landry Shamet. Joe Harris, Joe Harris has got so many more sort of strings to his bow that if if the three's not falling, he can still um, make an impact elsewhere. That's a great point. But yeah, you're you're quite right in saying that he was back with a vengeance. Um, the following game, uh, Joe Harris was five from nine from three uh, against OKC. Um, so I think he yeah he was just like, well, I'm not going to go in another game without it. <laughs> Um, he, he, Joe Harris is still third uh, all time on uh, on the, the Nets three points made list. So Joe Harris is third with 656 made threes, not far behind Kerry Kittles in second with 687. Uh, he's got a bit of a ways to go to catch uh, the leader, um, you know, Nets royalty, Jason Kidd, who has 813 made threes. Um, but he'll get there. I mean, um, I think I had a look and the, the current leader for consecutive made threes in, in consecutive games, I think is Steph with like 140, 150 odds. So it's not like he was going to go into the all-time history books, but um, but yeah, it's, it's, nice, it's nice to have these little wrinkles running out throughout the season. Um, and yeah, the streak two um, is, is underway and we'll, and, you know, we'll keep track of it, I'm sure. Um, so that's the that's the main news from this week. So let's look back into the games that were, and you know we recorded on a Sunday afternoon, so we're a couple of hours out from the Wizards game. But as we you know you know touching all the wood we can, it was a clean sweep of a week for uh, three wins, um, starting with the win against Miami, uh, taking that game ninety eight to eighty five. Um, it was a bit of a grind out, I feel. Uh, how do you guys think that second game of the series went and taking that series 2-0? Yeah, I mean, you just need to look at the score to see that it was obviously our best defensive uh, defensive effort of the season so far. Probably our, one of our worst offensive efforts so far, but definitely the best defensive effort. And I mean, holding a team like Miami to only 14 points in the fourth quarter unheard of for the Nets but in the league in general. Um, and it was the entire team that put in a solid effort on the D, uh, which made that happen. James Harden, obviously, he came in clutch in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know what they say, they say big-time players make big-time plays. And we have just got some fantastic options that when it does come to the fourth quarter, we can rely on guys and to, to try and ground out victories. And it's, yeah, it's a great, great thing to have. Obviously, that's now us 2-0 against the Heat so far this season. I know they've been missing kind of big names with Butler and Hero, but obviously they were at the finals last year and they, they do have a deep team. So I think to to go 2-0 in the first two games against the Heat, regardless of, of who's out injured for them, we can be happy with that. Yeah, I mean, I think the main takeaway for, for me from this one was the fact that the big three contributed 56 of our points. Um, obviously, very little of a contribution from the bench outside of Uncle Jeff, who you got 10 and yeah I mean the game was a really close one pretty much for the first three quarters and then as Aidan says 
we were just kind of turned things up a level. We we got kind of hot scoring and they, they just couldn't score uh, in the fourth. And that ultimately led us to what kind of looks like quite a comfortable win in the end. Although, as you rightly said, Matt, the game was quite a bit of a grind. Kind of, we scored, they scored, and it was it was really back to back, back and forth for the first three quarters anyway. And yeah, I mean, after letting Bam score 41 points in the previous meeting to then put them down to just 26, I mean, that, that's an obvious improvement. We, we can't always be giving teams and players on these teams are like like the career night. So it was obviously, we clearly learned how to deal with him despite us still having the kind of worries over what, what kind of the future of our centre position is. But it is good to know that we can lock these guys down. Obviously, it maybe takes an extra game just to kind of get used to them, but we know it's possible. And I think that's, that's a good sign for the playoffs as well because when you're playing teams maybe as many as seven times, you're going to know them inside out. And if we're able to kind of do that within one or two games against a team, well, I'd like to think that no team's going to score whatsoever if we reach a game seven because we'll know them that well. But yeah, I mean, I feel happy with this start, starting the week for a win, so you can't really complain with that one. Yeah, that's a really good point about the uh, making those adjustments because it's obviously something that the Nets have struggled with historically is being quite rigid in the systems that they play and, and the tactics that they execute. But but learning from from that previous game and you know noticing the things we need to change and actually making those changes um, from a coaching standpoint and from a, like a player awareness basketball IQ standpoint is really really good. So yeah, that's, that's an excellent point. Um, the Nets only shot twenty eight point nine percent from free as a team. So, you know, it was, it was a bit of a bit of a brick fest between, between the two teams. Um, I thought it was interesting that KD and Harden both got sort of in, in the twenties, but Harden only took 10 shots to get there. Whereas KD took 21. Um, so just in terms of volume, I thought that was an interesting um, thing, but yeah, in terms of opponents points allowed, I think it was the, the fewest opponents points allowed since March 2019, um, when we played the Pistons. So, you know, with uh, I'm going to, you know, obviously Miami were having a terrible night shooting-wise, but I'm going to claim it as great defense. And, you know, this this team is, is all about the firepower and people say we can't defend or it's going to be an issue. But, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a slightly historic uh, defensive performance, I'm going to put it down to. Um, just don't look back at the game um so we followed that up with a 132 128 win over the hawks um another overtime game uh more free basketball as they'd say um so KD and harden both score over 30 Kyrie again um shooting 11 of 17 from the field to 64.7 percent um a scary hours officially here can we say for after that after that game yeah, I think we can see scary hours is most definitely here. Obviously, I touched on it in the last game. This time, they combined for 89 of our points, which is a huge amount. Some teams, well, Miami didn't even score that many against us, and there's three of our players doing that just between them. So that was very, very impressive. Obviously, this game was the game that the, the streak ended, and that was, uh, I think, some folk would have sacrificed uh, the, the win to ensure the streak continued. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think another thing that was quite bad about this one was four Hawks players hitting 20 plus um, we made this one a lot closer than it really needed to be and uh, uh, yeah it was just it was a really kind of annoying stressful game and given the kind of time it tipped off could have really done without overtime here in the UK because watching those final few minutes I mean I can't say I remember much of them because I was half asleep but yeah yet another win and the the big three stepped up when we really needed them and, and got us that win so yeah, having been beaten by the Hawks previously in the season, again, we're learning, we're now beating them. So, yeah, a, a lot of good things from just those first two games. And obviously, we'll go on to talk about the, the third game of the week just shortly. Yeah, um, I'm just, I, th I think that might be the last time we play the Hawks this season. Or there might be another one. But if, if it is the last time, I'm absolutely delighted because that must be what it's like to play against the 2018 Nets team, a 2018 19 Nets team, because they are tenacious. Um, yeah, really kind of good young players that have got a good future ahead of them, uh, regardless of the type of basketball they play, because it's not the most attractive style, but they, they do get the job done, um, despite not having great defence. But yeah, once again, obviously, it went to overtime. Not great for us in the UK, but also not great for our big three, who really couldn't could have done without those extra minutes, because we've been playing so much recently. But they managed to get the job done, as you mentioned, Matt. Big three really kind of stood out. Irvin, 26, Durant, 32, Harden, 31, with 15 assists. I mean, you can't complain at all. Uh, but 
on another note, obviously, you see the box score, they kind of usually look at the numbers, assists, and they, sorry, the points, assists, and rebounds. The turnover numbers have looked much better so far. Obviously, we only had nine turnovers in the Hawks game. We only had seven in the Miami game. That's much better compared to what we're used for. We were hitting that in the first quarter uh, last week uh, and then going up to over 20 in turnovers. So, yeah, it's great to see an improvement there as well. The last thing that obviously I noticed was that I loved the comments from Lloyd Pierce at the end of the game. Um, he said that he had to take Capella out the second half because he was so exhausted trying to defend the small ball nets. That's obviously the benefit of small ball. We can obviously see the weakness at times, but obviously when you play the small ball correctly and you can tire out these big guys when they're trying to defend you, that's why they do it. And uh, obviously, long may that continue if we can stop bigs from, from being impactful on us because we're tiring them out. Yeah, nice. And it's not like Capella's any slouch as well. It's not like he's one of these lumbering, you know, mid-30s bigs, old-school kind of type bigs. So it's nice that we can run run the guys that have got a, a, a sniff of athleticism about them ragged as well. So that's, that's a nice point. Um, I noticed that as well as combining for 89 points, um, the big three also it were a combined 47% from free for that game, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, so yeah, I'm... I, th- I hope that is the last time we play the Hawks because if I have to watch one more game of Trey Young jumping into people and getting fouls, I'm going to tear my hair out, I think. I, I put a tweet about it um, recently just to say I'm not sure if it is a foul. If it's if it's very, very clever gamesmanship and, and you know, working within the rules, then fair play. But I think he's in that tier of Kyle Lowry of like, if he's on your team, he's absolutely great. But if you're playing against him, you absolutely hate the bloke. Um yeah, we shall see. But um, yeah, another good win. And rounding out the week was another absolutely dominant win um, over the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, Nets win 147 to 125. Uh, KD was resting, so we had to do, we only had uh, James Harden and Kyrie Irving uh, on the floor for us. Um, guys, what did you think of, of the redemption game against OKC, who had obviously beaten us earlier on in the season? Yeah, obviously, no KD. They obviously only got announced about six hours before that they were going to rest him, but they knew as soon as that Atlanta game was finished that he wasn't going to be playing this one because I think he played near to 50 minutes again. Um, but yeah, gave us the first look of, of Irvin and Harden as a duo. Both absolutely excellent on Friday, both shooting over 60% in the night. Harden triple-double. An absolute joy to watch. I mean, I don't know how people can't enjoy watching this guy play because I think he plays the game so well and I just think he's yeah it's, it's just a pleasure to be able to watch him every game uh, yeah as you mentioned earlier Joe Harris back to his usual shooting standard with five five of nine from three but yeah out with the usual suspects player of the night for me was Bruce Brown incredible performance from Bruce again defensively he's absolutely everywhere in the court and he, he actually shot nine from 11 on the night giving him 19 points and he was obviously starting because KD was out and he blended in perfectly with them like the Hawks, obviously OKC are always going to score a lot of points uh, due to their style of play, but we got the job done and extended our winning streak to 4 0. So, long may that continue. Yeah, I mean, I think for the first time ever since we've done kind of season two of the podcast, we've had a winning week. Obviously, in between, we've got a game tonight, but we're not counting that one. Um, I mean, yeah, what a win this was. I think it was the, the joint highest points in regulation that we've ever scored with. Uh, well, when franchise history, obviously, and I think the last time we done that was in the 1980s. So, I mean, I think that just goes to show how good a game that was. That sometimes it takes teams overtime or double overtime to hit that much, and we've managed it in one game. And obviously, the fact we managed it managed 76 points in the first half certainly sent us well on our way to achieving that. And I mean, we've kind of spoken about being jinxes and stuff, buying the Harris T-shirts, and obviously me with my predictions, and them always kind of going the other way. I'm going to stake a claim for being the reason for this one because I'd said to Aiden prior to the game, I'm feeling really tired. I think I'm just going to watch the first half. Hmm. Nate's done that and I was like, I'm going to need to stay up now, I'm not. So, yeah, clearly we, we've got some magic like voodoo power over, over the Nets and whatever we say at some point goes because, yeah, I mean, all barring, I think, Chios and TJ who got garbage time minutes. So, I mean, if you kind of take them out, I think they got, what, three minutes each or something. Everyone else was in double figures and yeah, I think we kind of came close to having nearly every player in double figures a few games ago. So, yeah, to kind of have that full team involvement was really good. And as Aidan says, Bruce Brown was, was the star of the show, even if James Harden and Kyrie both were 
both were exceptional and Harden maybe looked more like the James Harden we were expecting, taking more shots, driving to the basket more. But yeah, Bruce Brown, yeah, becoming a firm fan favourite. And yeah, I think certainly him starting every now and then isn't a bad thing at all because he, he can kind of get games where he'll, he'll start and then he'll not kind of really play much in the next few games. But whatever Nash is doing to him in those few days where he doesn't play as much, it, long way that continues well because it's clearly working and has Bruce fired up and he just seems to come out and ball out every night despite that not being his kind of main thing as we said with with Shump he's not really going to be expected for for his offensive output neither is Brown but Bruce is still able to come up and do that so I think that's great that he's able to kind of flick that switch and do that as well as continuing to to contribute defensively as well yeah it's it's great to see a more of a team performance it's great to see this second unit um you know having some production I think Nets Daily tweeted that the last time nine players on the same team were in double figures scoring was 30 years ago. Um, I think that was like a, a Nuggets bullets game um, back in the day. So yeah, really, really complete performance. Um, yeah. Just everything seems to be clicking. Um, like you say, it's nice to see James Harden being a bit more aggressive um, in the game. Bruce Brown is an absolute hero. Um, he takes like quite smart shots as well. I think he's, he's again, quite efficient, but I t- talking about efficiency, Kyrie's 25 points was from 10 of 16 again, which was 62, 62 Um, I know it's against the OKC Thunder, but I think, you know, it's, we've said, we said on previous episodes that we kind of play worse against the worst teams and better against the better teams. So these are the, these are the games that we should really be running up the score and getting our, you know, our, our rotation players more confidence and things like that so we can you know take that into the bigger games but um but yeah another great win so that brings us on to some listener questions um you can always ask us questions if you get in touch on social at uk nets fans or you can email uk nets fans at gmail.com uh, we'll kick off from twitter sam hayward said are we happy with the pell pickup and the shumper re-signing how do you think it will reflect on court when the nets are with and without the ball um obviously we touched on um our thoughts about the iman shumper pickup um but i think it's good um the nets need more size and more defense uh, and that's what we got. Um, looking forward to seeing Pell, especially who I think is available tonight against the Wizards. Um, and I just want to see a big body blocking shots and getting rebounds. Um, how about you guys? Yeah, I mean, neither are maybe the kind of star names that you'd like to see in, like everyone does. They're kind of running the middle kind of players, but I think players who are certainly coming in and do a job. We kind of spoke on Pell last week and pointed out some of his kind of accolades in his career obviously has a lot of experience playing different teams and in different countries so, so yeah obviously I think he, he'll come in handy and as you say Shump as we said earlier on comes in brings brings defence so, so yeah the pair of them I think will certainly help us out whether when we're on the ball I mean I can't see them doing much offensively but certainly when we're off the ball I think that's where we're going to see them shine the most. Yeah, I mean, I, sometimes I'm on the same page with Sean Marks when he makes his free agent signings, but you can see his intention is, is on the defensive end with bringing these two guys in. Um, something that I didn't mention earlier, actually, when Shumpert was playing with the Nets last year, they jumped from the 28th uh, best team in defensive efficiency to 14th, which shows his impact that he can he can bring that defensive um, kind of doggedness there. But uh, yeah, as well, yeah, same with Pell. Again, he's just going to block shots. I, I don't think he's going to be taking too many shots like Shump. But yeah, that's what they're there for, is to bring that defensive um, impact to the team. Yeah, nice. Time will tell. But yeah, it's it's nice to sort of the net Twitter has been kind of clamoring for, for these kind of additions and, and that's exactly what we've got. So, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it looks like the, you know, our front office never really disappoints on, on these kind of things. So hopefully it's, it's, uh, it'll be, it'll be good signing. Um, the Tyler on discord, uh, big out shout out to Tyler, um, not specifically nets related, but will be good to discuss the East with 20 games in. So who's going to be finishing a one to eight, in the East? Uh, I'll let you guys go first and then I'll say mine. Uh, good question. Um, I'd say I'm going to stick with my guns. Nets, first seed. Then I'll say Philly. Um, the Bucks in third. Pacers, Celtics at four and five, but could be interchangeable, but I'll go Pacers, then Celtics. I think Miami will jump up to the sixth seed. And then for my two, seventh and eighth seed that I'll probably sneak in, I'm going to go Atlanta. 
And then the Hornets. I'm going to go the Hornets. I'll sneak in there because I watched them last night and they looked, they looked good. So for, for mine, I think the it'll be the Sixers, Nets and Bucks kind of interchangeable in those first three, I think. I, I mean, I think we'd be happy either way. Obviously, we'd rather the first seed, but I mean, I think all the teams are quite closely matched and obviously have the stars. And yeah, I think it's quite hard to kind of separate them at this stage. Obviously, 72-game season, so we're kind of just over that quarter of the season mark now. But yeah, I think with regards to the rest, Pacers and Celtics fourth and fifth. I reckon the Hawks are probably next sixth. And then, I mean, seventh and eighth, kind of occupied by the Cavs and the Hornets. I like Dayton shoot for the Heat making it in, but then you've got the Magic and the Bulls as well. And I mean, the, the Knicks are sitting kind of ninth directly behind the Hornets. I, I can't really see them doing it. And I'm not wanting to imagine them making the playoffs. But yeah, I mean, I think it's quite a difficult one to, to really see just yet for me anyway. I think we're... Maybe maybe easier to see how things will be when we're at the halfway stage of the season in a few weeks' time. Yeah, nice. I'm, it won't surprise you to learn that I'm pretty much exactly the same uh, in line with you guys. I've got I've I've been very very coy about where the Nets will finish, but I've I've put my put my colours to the mass and I'm saying the Nets finishing in first, um, followed by Philly, the Bucks, and Boston uh, taking the top four. Uh, Pacers hanging around in fifth, uh, then Miami sort it out to get sixth. I couldn't really decide who seven and eight would be, um, but you've got to think, um, you know, some of these uh, teams are going to really sort it out between maybe Toronto, possibly. I know they're not having a great time of it at the moment, but you think, you know, with, with Nick Nurse taking the helm, they're going to sort that out, possibly Orlando, possibly Chicago. But then, you know, you like you guys have said, you've got the Hawks sniffing around, you've got the Hornets sniffing around, you've got the Knicks sniffing around. So I think this this year is um, exactly the reason why these playing tournaments are going to be so so interesting and so good. And, you know, it, it's going to be really, really interesting to see. But it's it's lovely to see, like, some new teams kind of ma- uh, making up these, these playoff spots. Um, but, yeah, like you say, we're only just over 20 games in, so time will tell. Um, but yeah, that, that's who we reckon anyway, Tyler. Um, then another one from Discord, this time Elliot from Hooping and Lootin, who if you're watching the YouTube version of this episode, you will see uh, Aiden and Hammy both busting out uh, recent purchases from there. Um, is the hatred towards DJ massively unjustified? I base this on his off-court play. Watch during timeouts and between quarters. He's clearly one of the most liked team players by all. How important is that? Um, so, yeah, what do you guys think of DJ? Is it is it too much hate? I mean, I think some of it is maybe a bit unjustified. He has been a scapegoat on some nights, but there are some nights where we've said it on many of the other podcasts this season. It's kind of effort was really lacking, especially when we had Jarrett Allen. There was just such a clear difference, although to give DJ's dues in the past few weeks, he has kind of picked, well, I'm saying past few weeks, past few games perhaps, he has really kind of picked up. He's just getting on the end of lobs a bit more, being a bit more aggressive with the rebound and getting a lot of nice dunks. And yeah, he is kind of getting there. Um, as, as Elliot says in, in his uh, kind of question, he, he does a lot off court. Uh, I think he, he pointed out the kind of relationship he built up with with Jarrett Allen. And yeah, I think he's a, he's a good guy to have around the team. But yeah, I, I think... Maybe a bit unjustified, but I wouldn't say he's completely, completely safe from any kind of criticism because there has been certainly games where he's, he's not done what, what he really should be, especially for a player on the salary he's earning. Yeah, um, it's a good question. I mean, I, I don't think anyone, especially us three, kind of doubts DJ's impact off the court. I mean, he's clearly a great teammate. A person in general, I think as well, obviously for KD and Carrie to take those certain discounts on their contracts, just to build that 10 million, just to get him here, it speaks a lot about him as a person. Uh, however, yeah, his, his veteran presence is obviously great, but you do need to set an example on the court as well as off it. I think we've had some great vets over the years that have provided that 100% effort on the court, and then it does trickle down to the younger guys, which I think is so important. And it's all well and good to, to tell a, a Bruce Brown to set an example on the, sorry, if you tell Bruce Brown that he was out of position on the last possession um, or something like that, and then you go and you don't play hard on defence, it's, it's a bit of hypocrisy there where you're just like, you know, you're telling someone to do something, then you're not doing it yourself. It's, vets need to set an example for younger guys. And I think for 10 million a year at this stage in his career, 
it's he needs to kind of put in a harder graft on the defensive end of the court. Yeah, as Cammy mentioned there, we have seen him elevate his game recently, especially since Harden's came in. He's getting on the end of those lobs, uh, and obviously he, the, his best his best time in his career was when he was playing with Chris Paul in his prime. So you get a good playmaker like Harden coming in, it does kind of elevate someone like DeAndre Jordan's game. Yeah, nice. I think there's 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 good locker room guys and good sort of glue guys. You know, if you think back to your Theo Pinsons and stuff, who was like the ultimate locker room guy, but he was on, you know, £4.50 a season. So like he just, just given his contract and the amount of minutes he sort of drinks up, um, I think that's where people are, b- are being a bit more critical. Um, it's clear that he's liked, especially by KD and Kyrie, like you say, to carve out that that roster money for him. Um, it's clear that relationship he had with Jarrett Allen, with the with the piggybacks and, and all that kind of the, the pregame throw ritual that they had out. Um, but he's got a producer on the court. He's meant to be the defensive anchor of this team. But, you know, at more often than not, um, he's just not good enough. And you've got players like Jeff Green who have got to sign on vets minimums and all this kind of stuff. Um, and then you've got guys like DeAndre Jordan who's on 10 million because, I don't want to say because of the company he keeps and because who his mates are, but from the outside looking in, there's an argument to say that's that's kind of what it is. So it's a bit of a shame, but I don't, we, you know, I think we're quite level-headed when it comes to, you know, sort of slagging players off and stuff. We'll, we'll, be as quick with the praise when they do play well. Um, but if you have more poor performances than good performances, you know, we can only comment on what we see. But yeah, I think it's because of, because of, you know, Jarrett Allen couldn't really get round him because of his stature in his contract. I think that's where the animosity comes from. Um, so yeah, that, that's my thoughts on, on DJ. Uh, we had another one from from Facebook, actually, from uh, from James Lewis, which is really good. Um, what was your preconceived ideas of Harden and the Nets? What were your feelings about Harden before the trade rumours had started? What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I think like many fans, I was cautious as to what we'd actually have to give up for Harden. We saw some of the, the rumours floating around and... It was a lot at times, but obviously I always knew how important and crucial it would be to get the Nets to that next level where they'd be the favourites to win the championship. We said it multiple times. I think a player like Harden, come, when they become available, you do have to, and they want to come to your team, you do have to kind of do what you can to get it done. Um, and I was obviously sad to give up Alan and, and Karis, but um, from what we've seen out of, the, out of Harden so far, I think we, I strongly believe that we made the right decision there. In terms of like the second half of his question, I mean, I've never kept it a secret that I'm a massive fan of James Harden, probably more so than than most. I mean, I've got his jerseys. I, 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 when I went to Orlando a couple of years ago, I made sure that I was there when Houston were playing because I wanted to go and see him play. So yeah, I mean, as a fairly kind of recent fan of the NBA of the, the last decade or so, I, I love kind of elite three-point shooting and flashy assists. So what's not to love about James Harden, really? I mean, I think we all had... Uh... Of reservations, I was certainly clearly in two minds about the kind of move and was kind of of the belief it was you, you've got to do it, but then at times it's you're giving up a lot. What about the fit and stuff? But I mean, I think looking back on it, I don't know why we had these reservations. You'd make the deal 100 times out of 100. And even Jarrett Allen, who was traded, he said kind of in one of his first made interviews as a Cavs player, he was asked, would he made the trade? And he went, well, yeah, probably. So it's like the players know what what was kind of needed to take the, the team to the next level. And obviously some players have had to miss out on a likely ring in the coming years, but they, they know for the kind of greater good and they kind of know what this the script was. But with regards to my kind of general thoughts on Harden, goes without saying he's one of the best players who, in, in the past decade or whatever, I'm like Aiden, kind of was initially into basketball at the start of the decade, kind of fell out of love with it and got back into near the end of it. But yeah, Harden's always kind of been a player who, you know, one of the kind of main names of the league and, yeah, a, a fantastic player and, and a real, real joy to watch. Yeah, it's funny. I think you can, if you uh, scroll back on our timeline uh, of the podcast and in our YouTube channel, you'll probably have about four or five episodes practically dedicated to what we think about James Harden and how he'll fit on the nets. But, you know, I'll put my hands up. I was just like... Be- He's a diva. He wants that at Houston. We don't need that negative negativity on this team. He's not even that great. We've already got KD and Kyrie and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, 
to echo what you guys said, you, you'd still have him on your team in a heartbeat. So, so James, I would, uh, for full uh, thoughts on what we think about James Harden uh, pre the trade, um, have, have a little look back at those past episodes. But yeah, we're, we're definitely, definitely more than happy to have him now. Um, and yeah, scary hours are here. Uh, the big three era is back in Brooklyn. And, um, and yeah, it's very, very exciting times to be a net fan. Um, so now we're looking ahead. Um, so as we've said, we're recording it just before the Wizards game. Um, so we've got four games to sort of preview. So tonight is the at the Wizards, um, followed by Tuesday night. We are playing host to the Clippers. Then Friday night, we play host to the Toronto Raptors before going back to back on Saturday at the Sixers in Philly. Um, gentlemen, how do you think these next four games are going to go? I mean, based on kind of previous meetings with some of the teams who also lost to the Wizards early on, they're now sitting rock bottom of the East with three wins and 12 losses. I mean, I don't think there's any possible excuse not to win this one. We quite simply have to kind of rebound and, and beat these teams. So we've now managed to show that we can beat teams who've previously beaten us uh, also in the past week with the Hawks in OKC. So yeah, I'd fully expect us to win this one. The Sixers, we beat them previously and... It'll be interesting to see how we kind of deal with this one. Obviously, Jarrett Allen, the night we did beat the Sixers, played absolutely superb. And obviously, that proved to be one of his final games. And with without him now, it'll be, I think, one of the key matchups is going to be certainly whoever's up against Joel Embiid because we're going to need to keep him quiet. Jarrett Allen done quite a good job at that. Obviously, Embiid, you're not going to manage to stop him all the time. But I think Allen done quite well to limit the, the damage that Embiid could cause. And yeah, maybe a few worries there. Um with regards to the Clippers, we've not played them yet, so can't really say much, but obviously Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, two of the, the league's premier players, so I think that's going to be a really, really fantastic game, and potentially even, I'm going to kind of throw out there, a potential like preview the finals. Um, the, the Clippers, obviously, last year maybe didn't quite live up to the expectations, but as we've all kind of said in the Discord, we're not all that convinced by the Lakers, and obviously someone's got to come out the West, and why not? Why, why couldn't that be the Clippers? So, yeah, I think that that will probably be the toughest game we face this weekend. And obviously, we finish the well, sorry, I'm saying before we finish the week against the Sixers, we also play the Raptors, one of the worst teams in the East so far, but a team only a few seasons ago who were the, the league champions. And yeah, maybe not got the stars they once did, but yeah, got, got to be wary of that one. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to say we'll go two and two just to be safe. I think we will maybe lose to the Sixers and then. Yeah, maybe slip up in one of the other games. But yeah, we'll wait and see. You know what I'm like with predictions. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a really interesting week. And it's one that I remember when the schedule got released that I was I was quite excited for. Obviously, we play the, the Wizards tonight. Um, as of now, James Harden's questionable to play after getting a knock-on uh, in the last game on Friday. So we'll see how we get on there. But I, I don't think there'll be too many issues against the Wizards now. Um, I think early on, we were still trying to figure things out when we played them last. But yeah, I think we should be beating the Wizards and uh, there shouldn't be too many issues there. Tuesday night is going to be a, a blockbuster against the Clippers. It's going to be really special. I think uh, obviously Leonard and George were out for a bit with protocols and uh, they look like they're going to be back. I don't know if they'll potentially be settled back in. But I'm actually happy that they're going to be playing because I think it's going to be really important that we do test ourselves against these type of teams. And as Cami said, personally, I think they're going to be coming out of the coming out of the West at the end of all this. Um, I think they needed last season to find their feet in the league. Um, but yeah, I uh, I fancy ourselves to actually win that one again. Um, but it will be a really really good test. Um, yeah, the Raptors on Friday night. Yeah, they've not been great. I actually think this could be the season where they they blow it all up and, and decide to, to start again. They've just it's just not working since they lost Gasol last year and then obviously Kawhi a couple of years ago. They just don't seem to be gelling well. So I, I see us winning that one again. And then yeah, I've, I've put down three and one for this week because I think the Sixers could be where we we slip up this week for reasons that Cami mentioned. That Embiid is going to be a tough matchup when we don't have Jarrett Allen in there, um, but. Who knows? We could sweep this week again just because we're playing so well. But yeah, I'll say three and one just to play it safe. Nice. Yeah, I think um, obviously by the time this is, this goes out, we would have already beaten the Wizards, hopefully. So I hope that's almost a given. Um, a quick 
pause just to say how bad I feel for Bradley Beal, um, putting up a million points every game and, and being three and 12 or whatever they are. Um, but I don't feel so bad for him that I hope the Nets uh, lose. So there, there's that. Um, yeah, uh, Tuesday against the Clippers is, 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 is set to be an absolute stormer of a game. Um, both us and the Clippers are going to be well-rested. Um, so yeah, there's going to be no, should be no excuses. Um, like you say, it's going to be really good to, to really test our metal against the best teams at the best times. So that's going to be really, really exciting. That could go either way. Um, Friday against the Raptors, you guys have both kind of said it. Then they're, they're not the Raptors of, of yesteryear. I think it all went, went to pot when they got rid of Rondé Hollis Jefferson personally um, and the good stuff he bought. Uh, and then Saturday against the Sixers. It's, just a sh- it's a shame that that game against the Sixers comes off the back of, of off the second night of a back-to-back for us because that would have been another one to really sort of put down and aim for. Um, it's also at home, and I think the Sixers have got a really, really good home record again this season. Um, I've got two and two as well. Um, I'm more confident about the Clippers game than I am about the Sixers game for some reason. Uh, like you say, I think we get up for we get up for these hard games. Um, we're going to have plenty of rest, um, a good couple of days. Um, however, it will be interesting against the Sixers. Maybe that's uh, the Norval Pell uh, revenge game. I know jo- uh, Joel Embiid had some good things to say about Pell, so you know it's his former team. So maybe he can give us a little bit of an insight, and he'll know his Achilles heel. Um, but time will tell. Um, that's it for this week. Um, we hope you enjoyed listening. Thanks again to you guys, Aiden and Cammy, for joining me. Um, yeah, subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, follow us on socials. Um, if you're watching the um, YouTube chat, the YouTube version of this, make sure you go to um, our Teespring store and grab some merch. Cammy's been an absolute demon with his um, designs recently. Got a really sick Joey Buckets tee, a load of cool Nets World t-shirts. Um, so pick yourself some up, uh, pick yourself up something from there and help support the cause. And yeah, thanks for everyone for sending in your questions and we'll see you next week. We hope you enjoyed listening. Thanks again to Aiden and Cammy for joining me. Make sure you're subscribed to BK to UK wherever you're listening to this podcast. Tell your mates about us, leave a review, follow us on social and look out for links to our UK Nets fans store on Teespring. Thanks again and we'll see you next time. Thank you.